Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to The Eight. I'm happy that you are here for part two of our series, Cash Money. One thing that Jesus was really good at doing um, as an amazing communicator is he knew how to talk to our heart. He didn't just come and say, do this and don't do this. That regardless if you view Jesus um, as your savior or you view him just as a historical figure, regardless of your view right now, of Jesus, one thing we can all agree on is that he was an amazing communicator. He knew how to tap not into our heart, not not only into our head, I'm sorry, but he knew how to tap into our heart. So one thing that he loved to talk about because his goal was get to our heart was he loved to talk about cash money. He loved to talk about possessions. Why? Because as a great communicator, he knew how to get to our heart. And let's face it, what kind of settles in our heart what we're very passionate about or that we hold tightly is maybe our stuff, our possessions. Maybe we hold on to that tightly. So God knew how to get to our heart. Jesus knew how to get to our hearts. So we love to talk about possessions. He loved to talk about money in order to bring us back to our d- divine image of who we are as being the reflection or image and likeness of God himself. An early Christian father by the name of Saint Athanasius one of the prominent leaders in the early church in the fourth century, he said that God became man in order for man to become like God. That God became human in order for humanity to realize that they are divine. So Jesus spoke about something human that pulls at us, which is possessions, which is money, which is stuff. He, he, he gave us a clear vision of what cash money is or healthy view or healthy perspective of how we should look at money in order to remind us of who we are as being divine, as being the reflection of God himself. Last week, we asked this question, how do I leverage what I have been given as a means to an end where the end is not me? In other words, how, how can I leverage what I have, what I have been given, what I have been entrusted with? How can I use that as a means to an end where the end is not me? Because many, a lot of us, let's face it, look at money as I'm the end. What's in it for me? This is my paycheck. How am I going to use it? How am I going to spend it? How am I going to uh, uh, you know, use this to upgrade what or to get something new? Whatever the case might be, where I'm always the end. But the healthy and clear and and original view of money, of how we should look at it is, this is a means to an end. Where I'm not the end, because I know there's more to life than just me. So this is the question we talked about last week. If you missed it, make sure you check it out on our YouTube channel or looking up Sam Mark ATL if you're into podcasts, as we're on the podcast as well. Let me put this disclaimer, okay, as we're kind of going into part two of a three-part series talking about cash money. Hear me out. I'm not talking about for you to give to the church or to an organization. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how much you make. I'm, or, or I, this is like We're not talking about any of that because what we're talking about is so much bigger than that. So believe me, I, I want to make sure that's clear. So I don't want anyone to think, oh, you know, here Father Nate is talking about money. He wants uh, more money for the church or for us to give more to an organization. Believe me. I'm not talking about that because what we're talking about is so much bigger than that. You know, the financial tension that you and I have, like, should we get this? Should we not buy this? Should we wait on it? Should we lease it? Should we buy it? You know, all those questions that come through our our, our mind uh, as far as what we should do about financial decisions. Majority of the world will not get the tension that you and I go through financially. Majority of the world will not get it. 
Because to them, it's not about like, do I have enough money or not enough money? That's not what we're talking about. So the, the, I want to, to make two distinctions here. Because most people of the world cannot embrace the tension that you and I go through. They would think we're crazy of some of the, the stress that we go through when it comes to finances. What I want is to shift our mindset. A lot of us think this, man, if I had more money, I can get this. If I had more money, I wouldn't be so stressed. If I had more money, I could do this for my kids. If I had more money, X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, right? Usually the stress that comes to finances begin with this. If I had more money, I wouldn't be stressed. If I had more money, I wouldn't have this issue, right? That, that's, that's how majority of our conversation when it comes to finances deal with. I want to transfer us from that to, 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 to this virtue. If I had more control, if I had more self-control, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. I wanted to transfer from this if I had more money to if I had more self-control. All right, I want us to transfer to this mindset, to this heart set, instead of just being if I had more money, I wouldn't be in this position. Because our natural reflex when it comes to money is what's in it for me? How can I use this to go on this vacation for this trip to upgrade this in the house to get this new car, new phone, new whatever? new toy, new, whatever the case might be. Because we usually look at it as for my consumption. It, it is only for me, where I am the end, where this, the means of money is for me to be the end. So I want us to transfer, if I had more money, I wouldn't be in this position. I want us to transfer from that thought process to if I had more self-control, maybe I wouldn't be in this tension. An early Christian leader uh, who wrote a, a good portion of the New Testament in the Bible, it goes by the name of St. Paul, the apostle, and he wrote a letter uh, to the city of Galatia. So he wrote this letter to the city, which is a modern day Turkey. And he said this, I want you to walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not just like in a, in a, in a ethereal or theoretical way, walk in the spirit and be spiritual. No, he, he's saying walk in a way where you know there's more to life than this. Don't walk in the temporal or the carnal things of this world. Don't walk in just thinking of, 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 of life being in a horizontal view, but walk in a spiritual way. Walk in a higher dimension than what you see. Why you should walk in that way? Because you know there's more to life than this. So walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lust is not just in a sexual context. Lust is where it's, what's in it for me? How can I use this cash for me? What's in it for me? That's lustful thinking. That, that, that I, our brokenness loves to just settle on that thought process. What's in it for me? And this pulls at us and, and keeps on bringing us down and down because we're, we're just thinking of everything. What's in it for me? How is this cash for me? How is this person in it for me? What's in it for me? That's a lustful thought that just paralyzes us really. So St. Paul is telling these early Christians in the city of Galatia, walk in the spirit, walk in something bigger than you, walk in something more than this world, walk in the spirit. Why does he say that? He says this a, a couple of verses later. The fruit of the spirit, he's just saying the, 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 the byproduct, if you walk in a spiritual manner, if you have your eyes, if you look at the optics of how you view this world, of how you make decisions in this world, if the optics of how you make life decisions is not just temporal, but eternal, it's spiritual. The fruit, the byproduct that will come from that is stuff that you and I want. Here are the list of virtues I know that you want. This is what the, this is the byproduct if I, if I pursue life in a spiritual manner. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Please, one person email me, one person text me if you don't want any of these virtues. I know you want this. This transcends any culture or any ideology. All of us want these virtues. We would all love to have more self-control, man. I need to get off YouTube. I need to get off social media. I need to stop doing this. All of us desire some, some degree of self-control to create structure to our life. But if that's the fruit of the Spirit, the precursor is for me to walk in the Spirit. This is what St. Paul said 2,000 years ago to a group of, of early Christians. And this should be true for you and me as well. These virtues that you and I desire, the fruit of the Spirit. This is something you and I want. They pull at this, this there's this internal tension of all of us. Yeah, I want self-control, but man, if I just have more money, I can get this, and I feel like that will fill in that void, or that will help me with my status, that will help me fill in this insecurity, whatever the case might be. There's always this, this tension that pulls in within each and single, uh, every single one of us. Jesus said something that like he, 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 again, he talked approximately half of the parables that he gave, uh, talked about cash money, talked about possessions. He loved to talk to this because he knew where our heart was and he's trying to pull us to something more to this life than, than just us. So Jesus began one of his talks to his disciples and he said, and he said these words, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You and I read that, and our first thing is like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I can't serve God and Satan. You know, I can't, like, I get that, right? That, that's, that's probably what Jesus is talking about. Jesus elaborates. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Okay? We get, we're with you, Jesus. Then Jesus adds more context to it. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. What is Jesus saying? He's clearly giving the title of God being a master and money being a master. We get that we cannot serve two masters. We get that we can apply that to many contexts of life. Now he applies it to finances and the divine. He's applying it to both. So I cannot serve God and money faithfully. There is going, naturally, there's going to be at a point where there's going to be tension on these two points. Maybe some of you are saying, you know what, it's not even, a, and it's not even an issue for me to have two masters when it comes to, to, to God and money. I don't even got enough money in the first place. So that's not, a, that's not, this, that's not, this is not a conversation for me. And maybe some of you are like, how does this apply to me? I don't even have enough money for there to be tension. But again, going back to my disclaimer, this has nothing to do with the amount of money I have or how much I make or how much I give. Believe me, what we're talking about is the virtue of self-control, which I know you want and it's something I want as well. So what we're talking about is not just cash money at this level. We're, we're, we're raising the bar of looking at the virtue of self-control. Another way of asking this, here's the million dollar question just in case you decide to close this video and stop watching, here's a million question. Do you have money or does money have you? Do you have money or does money have you? Fill in the blank for money. Do you have a career or does your career have you? 
where every thought, every time of the day is just fulfilled with your career of just moving up, just getting more money, just moving to the next. Do you have money or does money have you? Do you have a career or does your career paralyze you or does your, your career have you? Do you have money or does money have you? Think about this. When you and I are in hardships, when we're torn, when our heart is heavy, when we're in pain, what do we do? Maybe it's you're praying to God. Maybe if you're not, maybe you're not there to, as far as, is, is there a higher being? Maybe you'll say to whom, it, to, to whom it may concern, right? We pray when we're in a crisis because we're yearning for, so, we're yearning for help, which is when we cannot help ourselves, we're, we're yearning for someone to help us. So if we come to God and, and, and throw at him our hardships, our pain, our struggle, our sins, the, the, this life decision that I can't, I can't figure out what's the best move to make. If we're coming to him with all of that, why wouldn't we come to him with our finances? Why, when it comes to finances, we got this, I know what I'm, uh, this is all for me, this is my, for my consumption, this is for me to accumulate, all this is for me, and we just pile up stuff, we just pile up money just for me to use, and then we end up being in a financial crisis or tension point in our life. How can we get, can give to God everything else, which seems that we're, we're more motivated to do that, but when it comes to finances, no, that's for me to decide. God, you know, I'll let God do his thing, I'll come to him when I have issues, but when it comes to my finances, I know what I'm doing. This is for me. He's not trying to get your money. Like Jesus talking so much about finances. He's not trying to get to your money. He's trying to get to you. Because where our money is, our heart is most of the time there as well. A lot of our thought process rotates around. A lot of life decisions rotate around it. God is not trying to get to your money. He's trying to get to you. Jesus, being so well and knowing how to articulate and talk about such a sensitive topic like finances, this is what he had to say. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put that in, in, into one bubble. Seek first the, the, the eternal home. Seek more than this temporal place that, that we live in. Per, seek more. Pursue more than that because, you know, there's more to this. Seek first the kingdom of God. E e eternity. Seek eternity and his righteousness. Seek what is the ethical and moral code of what is right, which is divine. Not your relative definition of what is right or wrong, or should I do this, or this is good, or this is bad. Don't fall into relativism. Like Pursue his righteousness. Pursue the uncreated being's definition of what is right. Pursue his definition of what is right or what is ethical. Pursue that divine moral code. Seek his kingdom and what is right and his righteousness. That's the first half of what Jesus said. Then the follow-up to, to his sins. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are these things? Maybe you, your desire for certain finances. Maybe your desire for a career. Your desire for this for your kid. Maybe this desire for, um, you know, for you to be married or for this to be resolved or for this person to be healed of a sickness. Whatever the case might be. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all this will be added unto you. 
pay attention to the order of how Jesus said this. Jesus didn't omit any of our desires. No, he embraced that. He said, yes, this is part of life. I want you to come to me as your father with this. But first, seek eternity. Seek more than this world. And seek what is the absolute truth of what is right. Seek the divine moral code and ethical code. And then from there, then all these things shall be added unto you. Many of us flip it around. My kingdom, what's in it for me? How is she going to give me this if, I, if I'm dating? How, uh, what's in it for me, right? That's my kingdom. That's me first. If I end up pursuing everything in life in that manner, I will end up alone. I will end up with nothing because I flipped the order of, 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 of what I'm intended to live or how I am designed to live. I'm seeking my kingdom and my righteousness, what I think is right, right? Don't we kind of cover it up? Man, no one gets it. This is what's right to me. I know what's right. They don't get it. They've never been in my shoes, right? We can justify it when we come to our own quote-unquote theology to say what is right for me instead of pursuing what transcends my comprehension and apprehension and me to pursue the kingdom of God and what he defines as being right. If I understand this, if I understand the order, if I understand how Jesus beautifully articulated for me to seek his kingdom and what is right, then these things shall be added unto me. If I understand the order and the sequence of how Jesus worded this, and I apply this now to every life decision and every conflict and every daily habit, this now becomes a keystone habit. I can't remember the author of the, of the book, uh, The Power. there's a book called The Power of Habit. We're, we're creatures of habit, okay? So it, it, they, they talk about there are certain habits which become a keystone habit. That if I can execute and apply this virtue or this habit, I will see this now seep into other aspects of my life. I will see this habit manifesting itself uh, in, in different ways of my life. This is a keystone habit where I prioritize seeking eternity and what is divinely right then these things shall be added onto me if I pursue and have this optics and this lens of how I view cash money, of how I view relationships, of how I view uh, conflicts, of how I view everything. If I apply this, then things will fall into place because I have the right order. Now this becomes a keystone habit. Again, an idea just to, for you to understand, keystone habit. A, a, a good rhythm or routine to sleep is a keystone habit. Right? This is proven psychologically and biologically that if I have a good healthy habit as far as uh, times that I, I, I go to sleep and I wake up, if I have this routine as far as my sleep cycle, then everything else will fall into place. I'll notice a, a, an improvement in, in stress and anxiety and the way I communicate, my, uh, me being able to be, uh, be able to pay attention to things. I will see that manifest itself in different ways. That becomes now a keystone habit. So in the same way, if I pursue his, his kingdom, and in, in, in his definition of what is right, then, then this now becomes a keystone habit that I can apply to every aspect in life. And I promise you, you will see change in, in our lives, in my life, in your life, if this becomes the order of how we approach life. There's an early Christian father. He was a bishop in the fourth century. His name is St. John Chrysostom. And he said these words beautifully. His meditation of how he looked uh, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. That he says, talking about Jesus, that Jesus says first implies that these are to be sought second 
So these would be uh, my financial desires or pursuit. Let me make it my financial pursuit. That Jesus says first implies that these, like my financial pursuit, are to be sought second, not in time, but in value. The one is our good, the other necessary to us. Let's break down what St. John is saying. St. John is saying, it's not an order of time. Let me, let me seek first God and then, and then money. It's not like, okay, let me do this whole church thing. Let me just do this whole prayer thing. And then all of a sudden I'll get what I desire. It's, it's not about time. It's not, a, it's not a, the way we view time. It's not a sequence thing. But it is a value. What do I prioritize? It's not, let me do this first. Let me check out that box. I'm a good person. I prayed. I read my Bible. I gave uh, whatever. It's, it's not that. It's not, let me, let me do this first and then I can do this second. It's not about the order. It is a value as St. John Chrysostom is saying, what do I prioritize first? I need to put more weight, more energy into seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Then these things shall be added unto me. The one is our good. Yeah, it's good for me to, to come to God, me desiring this or, or, or to, to have this financial structure or me to approach finances this way. That's good. The other is necessary. What is necessary? For me to pursue more to life than this. What is necessary is for me to find his absolute definition of what is righteousness. Not my own or what I see Instagram tells me as far as what is right. One is necessary. The other is good. But what needs to be prioritized in value and what needs to be necessary is seeking more to life than me. Seeking more to life than this because I know for sure the guarantees of life is tax and death. I can't run away from that. So let me seek, let me invest, let me prioritize, let me make it a necessity to pursue more to life than just me. That should be my necessity. This should be my priority. We approach finances, me first. What's in it for me? What can I use to spend on this to make me feel good? I earn it, I've been working hard, this is for me. That, that's usually how we approach investing, that's how we approach spending, that's how we approach everything when it comes to finances. I want us to flip that order. Instead of me first, what if I pushed it and I gave first and tried to pursue the, the order, the divine order of how I should approach cash money? Jesus, beautiful communicator, our Savior who edified it and came to make us whole. Listen to these words that Jesus said. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Come on, I mean, this is logical. Jesus loved to talk to the head which, and then to our heart. We get this. Where our treasure is, our heart will be also. You get a new car. That's your treasure. Your heart is there. Think about it. Think about the first couple months that you get a car. You're, you're not parking trying to squeeze into a compact size uh, parking spot and a deck. No, man, you're, you're parking 10 miles away because that's where your heart is. That's where your treasure is. Since your treasure is there, your heart will be there also. Every life decision will follow, will follow in that direction as far as where your heart is. Your treasure is there. Your heart is there. Where you park, everything you, you, you think through, every decision is going to be following where your heart is. An early Christian by the name of St. Jerome, St. Jerome, who actually was, was not born Christian. Uh, he said this in the fourth and fifth century. He was a, he was a skeptic, and, 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 and understandably, 
to, to, to embrace the reality of who God incarnate is and, and, and to, to pursue and, to, and to, to, for him to embrace the reality of who, who God is. He was a skeptic. But as he continued to pursue truth and trying to pursue what's the purpose of life, he, he came down to, to realizing the love of his heavenly father. This is what he had to say uh, when he read uh, in scripture where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. St. Jerome said this, this must be understood, not of money only, but of all our possessions. The God of a glutton is his belly. The God of a glutton is his belly. Of a lover, his lust. And so every man serves that to which he is in bondage and has his heart there where his treasure is. I love that. Saint Jerome saying, don't, don't, don't just limit to this to just cash money. For wherever your treasure is, your heart will naturally follow suit. He's saying, if, 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 if my treasure is money and this new restaurant, me eating this, if, that, if, that, if, if that's my treasure, my heart will be, now I'm, I've become in bondage to that. I've become a slave to that because that's where my heart is. So this is not just in the context of money. Where my heart is, or where my treasure is, my heart will naturally follow suit. Again, the million dollar question. Do I have money or does money have me? Do I have money and use it as a means to an end where I'm not the end? Or does money enslave me or I'm in bondage to money? Do I have money or does money have me? Your mission, if you choose to accept, give. I'm not talking about the context of church. If you're for, uh, yes, church is a priority, but if there's other nonprofit organizations that pull at you, feel, please feel free. But let us approach giving where it hurts a little bit. I don't want to say the word hurts, where it makes us uncomfortable. Because what's comfort is me, me, me. But I know that leads to an end. That leads to an isolation. That, that ends where me, I'm still yearning for more. But if I'm trying to pursue life in which I am not the end, then I need to approach finances in the way that my divine designer has listed for me. That, that leads me to the fullness of life. Give this a shot. Do this for three months. If you hate this, email the church, email me, and I'll, and I'll give you a refund. But give first. No, 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 don't, don't just say, yeah, I'm going to fill in a box. Let's say I'm, 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 a, good, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good, I'm, I'm a good person. I'll give 0.5%. No, no, give it where it just makes you, uh, where you're at that point where, do I add another zero or not? Give to that point. Not just to check a box. But when you're at that tension point, that's, that's when you know you are embracing new life. This is now where you're putting a healthy view of how to view money, of how to view possessions. Now you're approaching it in the way your heavenly father has designed us to look at it. Now we're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first. Then other things will follow suit. Give to a point where you're a little bit uncomfortable. When you embrace the tension, when you embrace that tension, should I give more? That's when you know you are in a great position. Embrace the tension of how I should give. If you are a follower of Christ and you are with us here at the eight and you give your life to Christ, I hate to say this, don't hate me. 
let's not kid ourselves. Let's not just give at the bare minimum where we just filling in and checking in a box. Don't, 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 let's not kid ourselves with that. Let's give where we know that we're approaching finances where I'm not the end, which I offer to him what is already his. I have been entrusted with something and I give to him what already belong, belongs to him. We'll talk about, about that more next week for part three, but let's not kid ourselves. Let's give truly in which we are seeking his kingdom, our eternal home, his righteousness, and not just checking a box because we know there's more to life than us. And let's approach and view cash money, let's view finances, and to use it as a means to an end in which we are not the end. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you don't just desire our money, you desire our hearts. You talked about finances, not just, at, just, at, just at, a, at a raw level of finances, but you are seeking more. Lord, we know that we are designed for more. I pray that we can have clarity of viewing our finances, that we can make life decisions, that we can view transactions, purchases, big decisions that we make. We can view it through a healthy, clear lens of how you have called us to look at finances. Lord, give us that strength for us to view money maybe in a brand new way because we know there is more to life than us. Through the prayers of all your sins, Lord, hear us as we pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys for attending, and I'll see you over part three next week. Have a great day.